me up here again, it's too late. I have already instructed the door graders to lock the doors, so we are in this together for the long haul. If you were not at Sunday school this morning, you missed a blessing. Uh, We are starting a new series called I Am a Church Member. Uh, We are doing Sunday school a little bit different. We have a little bit of teaching, then we have discussion around tables. And uh, Doug, you did a fantastic job this morning, uh, kicking us off this morning. Um, Put that put that on your on your list of things to do for next week. Uh, Show up for Sunday school. Um, It's a great time and. Um, I hope today's message kind of coincides with what we were talking about in Sunday school. We were talking about what it is to be a church member, to be a member of the body of Christ, to be a member of the, the local church, of, of uh, what that means as far as responsibilities that we have towards each other. If you hang around me for very long, you will figure out very soon that I like to eat good food love to eat good food. Um, as a matter of fact, that's why I hang around with Tom so much. I don't, I don't know if you know this or not, but Tom is a phenomenal cook. Uh, my dad always taught me never trust a skinny cook. So uh, there, there we have Tom. Recently, though, I've undergone some health issues, and uh, my doctors had to have a talk with me about my diet, about what I consume. Um, she has told me that I have to cut down on the starches. You know, I can't eat as many potatoes. And I told her, I said, look, French fries are the only culture I get. She said, she said, you're going to have to cut down on the sweets. And oh, I love my sweets. And I told her, I said, you know, normally I'm a very honorary person. Sweets help sweeten me up. I, I need those things. She said, you're going to have to cut down on red meat. I said, okay, I got it. She said, what? You're not going to argue with me? I said, no, I got this. She said, you're going to cut down on red meats. I said, I got it. She says, I can't believe you're not going to argue with me. I said, no, I understand. No more, no more ketchup on my burgers. It's got to be mayonnaise or mustard. I got it. Without question, I can tell you my favorite meal of all time And it's so special that I only get to eat it once a year, but it is so special, it is well worth the wait. And it's not just what I get to eat, but it's who I get to eat it with that makes it so special. It's that time of year that I get to eat it. It's the occasion that it brings. Can you guess what meal I'm talking about? Thanksgiving. Um, The reason that I love Thanksgiving so much is, is because... All, basically, all of my favorite foods are all there together in one meal. I mean, you've, you've got the smoked turkey. You've got the spiral-cut honey-glazed ham. You've got the homemade dressing. You've got the sweet potatoes with the ooey-gooey marshmallows over them. You've got the green bean casserole and the, the, the broccoli salad and the rolls. And, and thank you for coming this morning. Let's go to lunch, right? <laughs> I mean, more than any other meal at any other time of the year, I eat that Thanksgiving meal in the name of Jesus and the glory of God, right? Now, your Thanksgiving meal may be slightly different than mine. You may have some things on your table that I don't have on mine, but 
And I have things on my table that you don't have on yours. But there's one thing that we are all guaranteed to have once that meal is over and once everyone is eaten until they waddle like penguins. Do you know what that is? Leftovers. Do you know what leftovers are? Leftovers are a sign that everybody got all they wanted to eat, that everybody... Well, probably most everybody got more than they needed to eat. Everybody was blessed. Nobody went away empty, and there is still enough to do it all over again. Whether you realize it or not, there is what I call the law of leftovers. And I'm not talking about food. I'm talking about life. That law is stated in an ancient verse of scripture that was written over 2,500 years ago by a man named Solomon, the wisest man to ever live. In Proverbs 11.24, he states it this way, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. That same law is demonstrated in the life of a little boy who witnessed a miracle that Jesus performed and that he remembered all his life. I want you to turn to your Bibles this this morning to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. You know, when Jesus burst onto the scene, there were two things that immediately got people's attention. The first is the truth that he taught, and the second was the miracles he performed. The the central truth of his uh, teaching that fascinated people was the kingdom of God. I mean, that got every Jew's attention because that's what they were looking for. That's what they were hungering for is to see the kingdom of God and for his kingdom to come. But Jesus didn't just teach about the kingdom of God. He demonstrated the kingdom of God in what we call miracles. You know, before the time of Jesus... There were a few miracles that were recorded in the Old Testament, but but relatively speaking, there weren't a whole lot of miracles. And then Jesus comes on the scene, and there is this explosion of miracles, so much so that that crowds would gather just in hopes to see him perform one of those miraculous signs. And what Jesus does in this miracle, he wants to do in your life and in my life today. You see, every one of us has things in our possession that Jesus wants to literally do miraculous things with. Now, before we get started, let me give you the law of the leftovers, okay? The law of the leftovers is this. God adds to what he subtracts from my life so that he can multiply it and divide it. God adds to what he subtracts from my life so that he can multiply it and divide it. And he does that for maximum blessing. And this is the key, really the key takeaway this morning. When I bless others, I receive the greatest blessing. And I want, I want, to, I want to show you these four steps that, that put this law of leftovers into effect. First of all, Jesus asks us, for something that we have. Jesus will ask us for something we have. You know, of all the miracles that Jesus performed, this one may be the most special of all. 
because it's the only miracle that all four of the gospel writers include in their, in their gospels. Now think about that. Of all the miracles that Jesus performed, and as great as they were, only the miracle, th- this is the only miracle that, that every single gospel ra- writer felt they had to include in their book. You know, it's, it's a unique miracle in a lot of ways. It's the only time that Jesus ever asked for somebody advi- somebody's advice. Of all the miracles that were performed by Jesus, this is the only one that was seen by this number of people. You know, I'll have to admit that, that of all the miracles that Jesus performed, this probably is on the top three of my list that I would have loved to see him perform. But, but let's get started in John chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, after these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. And a great multitude was following him because they were seeing the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now, the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Jesus, therefore, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a great multitude was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread that these may eat? Now, Matthew tells us that that it's evening time when when this miracle took place. It was around 6 p.m. and the sun was about to set. So I want you to imagine the setting here, okay? Here Jesus and his disciples are out in the countryside. They didn't have an H-E-B. They didn't have a Kroger. They didn't, God forbid, have a super Walmart. And a crisis is brewing. The sun is setting. Evening is coming. Stomachs are growling. And then the story starts to get really interesting. In verse 5. It says, Jesus, therefore, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a great multitude was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we to buy bread that, that we may eat? Now, now, how large was this crowd? Well, in verse 10, we are told that there were 5,000 men. Matthew tells us that there were also women and children. So when you, you figure into how large families were back in that day, Scholars estimate the crowd was probably somewhere around 25,000 people. Now, imagine you're Philip, and Jesus turns to you, and he says, Where are we to buy bread that these may eat? Now, if I had been Philip, uh, and Jesus would have asked me that question, um, I probably would have felt like Tonto when he and the Lone Ranger found themselves surrounded by 20,000 Native Americans. And the Lone Ranger looked at Tonto and said, Tonto, what are we going to do? And of course, Tonto looks back at the Lone Ranger and says, what do you mean we, Kimosabi? But this, this really wasn't a question. I want you to see this. This really wasn't a question. Look in verse 6. And this he was saying to what? To test him. For he himself knew what he was intending to do. Now, I want you to remember this. Whenever Jesus asks you for anything, it's never just a request. It's always a test. 
He's simply asking you this question. Do you trust me or not? Now, Jesus is about to reveal the biggest problem that Philip and the the rest of the disciples were facing. The biggest problem that, that, that they had was not that the crowd did not have enough food, but that Philip did not have enough faith. Now we come to the second part of the law of leftovers. We should give Jesus what he asks for. When Jesus asks us for something, we should give him what he asks for. You know, Philip did what we so often do when God asks us for something that we don't think we can do. We come up with all kinds of reasons why we think we can't do it. Look in verse 7. Philip answered to him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them for everyone to receive a little. Now, I want you to notice here Philip's response, but but really, what did Jesus ask? Jesus asked, where? Okay? He didn't ask how. He asked where. And here's another thing to remember whenever Jesus asks you for something, something, Jesus already knows it can be done and how it can be done. But, but you know what? Philip, he gets out his calculator and he starts figuring out. He says, well, you know what? It would take about eight months of wages of an average worker to buy enough food to feed all of these people. And even if we do that, everybody's just going to get a little bit. He thinks he's off the hook. He has every reason in the world why he can't give Jesus what he's asking for. First of all, there's no place to buy that much food. They're out in the middle of the wilderness. Second of all, even if there was a place, they didn't have enough money to buy that kind of food. Third, even if there was a place and they had enough money to do it, there wasn't enough time to get it. The sun is setting. Fourth, even if there was enough time to get that much food for that many people, everybody's just going to get a little bit of food. Philip is thinking to himself, Jesus, for the first time in your life, I've got you stumped. How many times... Have we all figured out a reason why we can't give God what he's asking for? Well, 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 well put money in the offering plate. I, I can't even afford to pay my bills. Yeah, I can't afford gas, right? <laughs> well, me go on a mission trip? Well, I can't do that. I've got a wife. I've got kids. And besides, you know, those other countries have giant mosquitoes. <laughs> Share my, my testimony with somebody I can't share with anybody. I, I might mess up. I'm too shy. I, I don't know enough. You know, I'm convinced that Jesus' heart was, was just shattered. What, what bothered Jesus was not the lack of food, but the lack of faith. You see, a lack of food never stops God, but a lack of faith can stop him dead in his tracks. You know, Jesus, it's amazing that Jesus did so many miracles in so many places, but there is one place that he could hardly do any miracles. Do you know where that was? It was in his hometown. Do you know why that was? Matthew 13, verse 58 says, And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Now, you just think about what Philip has already seen, okay? 
He's already been walking with Jesus a little while. He's seen Jesus turn water into wine, right? He's seen Jesus heal a sick man's son. He's seen Jesus give a paralytic the ability to walk. He's seen Jesus raise someone from the dead, and he still doesn't get it. He was still using his calculator. He was still pinching pennies and counting nickels when all the time he didn't understand that he was not to be the source of provision. Listen, when God asks you for bread, remember this. We don't make the bread. We serve it. Okay? We are the waiters. He is the baker. Well, Jesus said this to, te- uh, to test Philip. Well, Philip flunks the test. It, it looks like all is lost, and then this happens. Look in verse 8. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many people? So Andrew... Overhearing this conversation, he finds this little boy who had brought his own lunch. But it is just enough for him to eat, or at least that's what it looks like anyway. Let's, let's, let's focus on this little boy for a moment, okay? Even though all the gospel writers include this story, only John mentions this little boy who gave his sack lunch. Now, this little boy... He had done what everyone else in that crowd should have done that day. They should have brought their lunch, right? He had brought just enough to feed himself. Now, five loaves and two fish may sound like a lot to you, but this was, this was the meal of a little boy, okay? And not only that, it's the meal of a poor little boy. Five loaves may sound like a lot to you, but it wasn't actually like like a loaf of bread like we think of, okay? It's more like a hard, brittle, flat piece of probably unleavened bread about the size of a mini pancake, okay? The word fish refers to sardines, basically, okay? So he's got five saltines or crackers and two sardines is basically what we're saying. Now, Andrew was right. What that little boy had was just a little lunch. But what made that little lunch a big lunch is what that boy did with that little lunch when Jesus asked for it. He gave it to him. Now, this is where the miracle really starts. At that moment, the most valuable thing to 25,000 people and 12 disciples was that little boy's lunch because that's all the food there was. And what made that little boy's lunch so valuable was one thing. It was available. It was available for one reason, because that little boy was willing to give what Jesus asked. You see, somehow that little boy understood what the disciples didn't get. This wasn't a request to the little boy. This was a test to the little boy. And where the disciples flunked, he passed that test with flying colors. You know, I I remember as a little boy sitting in church, and whenever the offering plate was passed, I would always ask my mom, Mom, can I put the money in the plate? Can I put the money in the plate? I mean, it was a big deal to me. 
I've often wondered why it is so difficult for adults to give and yet so easy for children to give. Well, I I believe it's because we have the money, but they have the faith. There was a little boy who I heard about who got into a big, big argument with his his sister about who was going to get the last brownie. His his mother heard them fussing, and so she came downstairs and... and, uh, they were, they were just about to come to blows with each other over this last brownie. And this wise spiritual mother, seeing this opportunity to teach her kids a deep spiritual lesson, said, Children, what would Jesus do? The little boy said, Mom, that's easy. Jesus would just break this brownie into 5,000 more and we'd have enough. Right? <laughs> now you think about this. Did Jesus really need that little boy's lunch to feed these people? Absolutely not. If Jesus wanted to, he could have turned rocks into bread. He could have caused fish to jump out of the sea into those people's laps. You see, when when Jesus asks us for something, it's not because he needs what we have. It is because we need to give him what he asks so that we can learn to trust him. Now, Now, watch this. When you take that step of faith and you give him what he asks for, you do what he wants you to do, even though you can think of a million reasons why you shouldn't do that, why you, you can't do that, then you'll see the third part of this law go into effect, and, and that is simply this. Jesus will use what you give him. Look in verse 10. Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in that place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus, therefore, took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated, likewise also of the fish, as much as they wanted. Now, I'm sure about this point, I mean, you've got to think about the context of this, this story. By this point, the disciples have to be thinking, Jesus has lost his mind. And then he, Jesus does something really outrageous. He gives thanks. Over this, this five, these five saltines and two sardines, Jesus gives thanks. Now, I don't know what he said in his, his prayer. It's not recorded for us, but, but I'm sure he thanked God for that little boy. I'm sure he thanked God for that little boy's faith. I'm sure he thanked God for that little boy's food. And I'm sure he thanked God for the opportunity to demonstrate this law of leftovers. And, and what you are seeing is the way that God operates. Jesus asks for what he wants. We give Jesus what he asks for. Jesus uses what we give. Now, are you ready for this? God loves to use little things. He absolutely loves it. You know, it's not that God can't use big things, but he loves to use little things because that is when he gets the greatest glory and he grows the most faith in us. You see, you can, you can think to yourself, well, what, what I have to give, give to God, it's not much. I, I, don't, I don't have a lot of talents and gifts and abilities and, and resources. You may think it's insignificant. You may think it really doesn't matter in the, in the big picture of things, but some of the greatest things that God uses are the little things. 
Think of all the, the little things that God used in the Bible to accomplish unbelievable things. He used the slingshot of a little shepherd boy to slay a giant. He used a widow's might. He used a teenage, poverty-stricken virgin girl to bring about the salvation of the world. He uses the faith, the size of a mustard seed, to move a mountain. You think about this. What, What really determines the value of something? I believe a big part of it is whose hand it is put in, right? I mean, you can you can go on Amazon right now and you can buy a baseball, a, a major league baseball for, I don't know, 12 bucks. You take that baseball, you put it in my hand and it's worth about 11.50, right? You take that same baseball and you put it in the into the, the hands of a top shelf major league pitcher and that baseball can become worth millions. You see, what made that little uh, boy's lunch so valuable was not how big it was, but what he did with it. He gave it to Jesus. And I want you to hear this clearly. The only thing that you have that is of any value is what you are willing to give to God. Now, now we're about to see how this law of leftovers, how it always works. Jesus asked for what he wants. We give him what he's asking for. He uses what we give, and then he blesses what he uses. Verse 12. And when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. And so they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Now, this is just amazing. Nobody can eat another bite. They had all had their fill. I mean, the, the, the table hadn't moved, but somehow it had gotten three inches closer to their stomach, right? Yet there's still 12 basket, baskets left over. Now, these just weren't, they, they weren't small little baskets, okay? The, the Greek word for basket there, it's where we get our English word coffin, Okay, these were large baskets. The boy had enough left over to start a super Walmart right there in the middle of the desert. Now, do you know why this miracle is so important to you and me? Because that little boy, he is you and me. Hmm. We, we all have lunches in our possession. We all have talents. We all have gifts, abilities, and resources that God asks for. You know, that, that little boy, he could have kept that lunch to himself and fed himself, but, but, but everybody else would have gone hungry, right? But because that little boy trusted Jesus and gave him what he asked for, Jesus used what he gave him and he blessed what he gave, blessed what he used. And, and there's one detail I don't want you to miss, and that's this. The little boy gave his whole lunch to Jesus, okay? He didn't say, well, well Lord, you can have one fish, but, but I'll keep the other one. And, 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 and I'll keep three of the loaves, and you take two, and we'll call it good. No, the little boy just said, here's my lunch. 
Take it all. What's the lesson? Well, if you want to experience the law of leftovers, if you want God to add to what he subtracts from your life, from what he asks for, so that he can multiply it and divide it to others so that everyone can receive a blessing, you've got to give him everything. One thing you don't know about me, probably, is growing up, I had a deathly fear of public speaking. Yeah, pretty funny, right? So much so, even into high school and even into college, okay, I would get so scared that literally my knees would shake. Tears would well up in my eyes. My voice was shaky, barely discernible because I was so scared. And then I discover this gift that God's given me of teaching. And he says, I want you to to do this. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, right. (laughs) And, And I'll tell you this, still to this day, still to this day, if I have to speak on a secular matter in front of a secular crowd, there is still some fear and intimidation. It's not quite as bad because I think this is hell. But listen, you see, God takes what you give him and he, he, he uses it and he blesses it and he empowers you to do what he is asking you to do. You see, do you want to experience life at the fullest? Do you, do you want to know what it's like to benefit from the leftovers? Then, then listen, quit hiding your lunch. Quit acting like it's not that big and that God, there's nothing God can do with it. That it's just too small. You see, the, the only thing that gives life meaning and purpose is what we give to Jesus. Now you think about this. How many men were on that, that hillside? 5,000. Can you tell me anything about any one of those 5,000 men? We're not told about any of them. And yet here we are over 2,000 years later and we're still talking about this little boy. You know, you know, you know who really got blessed that day? It, it wasn't the crowd. I mean, they ate their fill and they left. That, that was it. That's all over. Now, this isn't recorded in, in the scriptures for us, but knowing that God is a just God and they, that he's a fair God and he's a, he's a good God, a loving God, a, a blessing God... What, what do you think happened to those leftovers? I mean, rightfully, what do you think happened to those leftovers? Probably went to the boy, right? <laughs> and, and here's what I imagine. Here's what I imagine. Again, this isn't scriptural. This is just my imagination, okay? But, but that boy goes home in the evening to his mom. And she says, well, how did it go with Jesus today? He said, Mom, you should have been there. Jesus Jesus took my lunch and he fed 25,000 people with it. His mom says, oh, did you leave your lunch by the lake again? Did you lose it? Did you set it down? So, I'm sorry. I know you're hungry, but 
We don't have anything to eat. And that little boy just swings open that door. And he says, Mom, don't worry. I've got plenty of leftovers. That little boy gave his lunch to Jesus. I don't believe he went away hungry. Uh, he went away with more to eat because he was willing to give Jesus everything. How, how do you explain that? That's the law of leftovers. Jesus asks for what he wants. We give him what he asks for. He uses what we give him and he blesses it. Now, why do you think this miracle is in the Bible? Why, why do you think all four gospel writers made sure they included this, this miracle in their book? Why, why, do you think, why do you think there were 12 baskets, baskets left over? Well, number one, how many tribes of Israel are there? Twelve. Jesus is saying, I am sufficient for Israel. I am sufficient to meet the needs. But, but beyond that, when you give everything to Jesus and you trust him to meet your needs, you will find that Jesus is not only enough, he's not just only all that you need, he is more than you need. There is not a problem you have Jesus can't solve. There is not a hunger that you have that Jesus can't satisfy. There is not a need that you have that Jesus can't meet. There is not a hurt that you have that Jesus cannot heal. There is not a question you have that God can't answer. And so Jesus asks, whatever he's asking for, and and you know what that is. Some of you are sitting in your seats right now sweating because you know this is directed right at you. And I'm not doing it. That's not me doing it. That's not me getting a hold of your heart. That's not me causing your heart to beat faster and you get a little hot and sweaty. And <laughs> So what is it? Is it your time? Is it your talent? Is your... It's your ability? Is it some resource that you have? Is it simply your love for him? Give it to him. Give it to him and watch him as he takes it. Whatever he's asking you to give, what he's subtracting from your life, watch as he'll add to it. He'll multiply it. And he'll divide it into a blessing that you can't even imagine. So what is it this morning, Christian? What, what is it that, that Jesus is asking from you this morning? What, what is, it, is it somewhere to serve in the church? Is it something you're supposed to do with your coworkers at work? Maybe start a, a Bible study? I don't know. I'm just I'm asking the question. What is it? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you've never trusted him with your life, maybe you, you feel today <laughs> you don't know what's going on inside of you, but you, need, you know you need something, and you know what you need is Jesus. We're going to have a hymn of invitation in a few moments. Doug is going to come up and lead us. Come down and talk with me. If that's you today... I can show you how you can have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ.
And I'd love to do that today. Maybe you've already made that decision today. Uh, maybe sometime this week, but you just want to share it with the body. Come down. The altar is always open. If you'd like to come and pray. Let's pray right now. Father, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for loving us. And Father, even desiring to bless us, Father, we know that, that we are, we're, we're really so unworthy. I mean, why, why would you do this? Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. God, that you would even desire to, to, to let us know the bounty of your blessing through this law of leftovers. Father, I pray that this morning that that you might find in us willing hearts, willing to release that thing that you're, you're asking for. And Father, as we do, that we would watch it be used for your glory. And Father, a, a true growth in our faith. We pray these things in Jesus' name.